0: All right. go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to John 15, where we've been for the last month and 9, 10, 11 weeks, whatever it's been. Oh, here, 9 o'clock crowd turned me into a two-fisted drinker. Um, We're uh, looking today for the last time, because the series ends today, Uh, I know, John chapter 15, uh, we're going to look today at verses 1 through 17, and we're going to talk about the tangled angle. The Tangled Angle, that's actually the title uh, of the study this morning, and we're going to add one more element, if you will, uh, to this concept that we've been talking about, where we're saying that God doesn't want, Jesus doesn't want more from you, he wants more of you. And when he has more of you, then he will get more from you. And so we're going to look once again at this passage of Scripture and so if you have your Bibles or apps open, follow along with me if you wouldn't mind and keep them open. It says this, I'm the true vine, my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it'll be more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so your joy, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one in this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father and have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might, might go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command that you love each other. Those words, amazing, <laughs> deep, rich, rich so much there and in this series we've unpacked a lot but there's a lot more there that we haven't even touched yet because somewhere in those verses uh, we discover when we really pay attention uh, how God really does work in our lives, how his spirit works in our lives, how he has designed the way that we relate to him. All of that is in there and, and maybe another series, another time we'll dig into that but for today we're going to simply talk about the tangled angle that is there because it becomes very important for us before we move away from it uh, to make sure you understand that it has everything to do with what you're going to be and how your life is going to go as a follower of Christ and so this morning as we begin I want you to ponder some things that we simply were not meant to do alone some things were not meant for us to do alone for example you ever played Marco Polo in a pool? If you ever played Marco Polo and pool by yourself, (laughs) you know that it takes two to play that. I mean, let's try it. I mean, the way the game works, by the way, if you've never played it, you yell Marco and you close your eyes and someone yells Polo and you try to find him in the pool. And then that's a great way to go. So let's all try it together. Everybody yell. Marco. Marco! See how unsatisfying that is? (laughs) See, if no one yells back, there's no one to find. Well, we got you. And so that's part of that give and take that's there. Now, a conversation, by the way, is meant for two people, at least, to talk back and forth. You aren't meant to do that alone. Um, Some of you, I know, talk to yourselves. Other people know that, too, by the way. But some of you talk to yourselves. But that's not the issue. The issue is, do you answer yourself? Because when you answer yourself, now you've crossed the line and you're having a conversation with yourself. And when you do that out loud in public, mm-hmm. people people worry about you. Uh, I, I worry about you actually, and so I want you to make sure uh, that you understand that that's two basic. Um, a handshake. You ever try to shake your own hand? Just doesn't match up right. I mean, give it a shot right here, right here. See, I mean, it doesn't look right, It doesn't feel right. It's just weird. It's not going to go good. Um, <laughs> Riding a seesaw, very unfulfilling. Going to Chuck E. Cheese alone as an adult, very bad. That is actually the opening the door for a prison ministry, if you're not careful. And so you don't want to do that. Putting on sunscreen in the middle of your back can be tough. Singing a duet, playing frisbee. I mean, there are some things that you're just not meant to do alone. Some things it takes more than one to accomplish. And I contend that when you understand this passage, this passage suggests the same thing. There are some things that you're not meant to do alone. Go back and look with me at John 15:5. It says this, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. He does not say, I'm the vine, and you are the branch. Now, that's not an accident. And I know that, that very often in church circles and in your personal devotion life. We're always trying to understand understand Scripture from the standpoint of it's just me and Jesus sitting at a kitchen table talking back and forth. It's a one-on-one. You know, it's a a two-person dialogue. It's a conversation I'm having with Jesus. And that's good. I mean, that's a great way to understand Scripture. But you have to understand that this is not a table for two conversation. We've talked about the setting before. But he is addressing the entire team. This is a locker room conversation. This is a locker room conversation before they go out and play the last half of the Super Bowl if you will. This is Jesus with his closest friends. This is the last chance he's going to have to talk to them. We've given you that setting before. This is where they are sitting and he is addressing everybody not just one, everybody and he's talking to them about what it is that they need to do to be successful. What it is that they're going to have to do to be the people that God created them to be. What they're going to have to do to make this thing work that he's talking about so he uses this beautiful analogy of a gardener and a vine and branches and, and they're understanding it. I mean, they understand it from the standpoint of they, they, they see it. They've got the visuals down on it. We don't as well as they do. But Jesus is laying it out because this is so, so, so important. And he wants to make sure that they don't miss it. And so here's what happens when you go through a vineyard. And we've talked a little bit about this before. But you see that the branches are tangled together. Now they're not tied up in knots, but they're intertwined around one, each other, one another. They're strategically placed there. Part of what the gardener does when he cares for the vineyard is he'll walk through. Remember we talked earlier in the series how that word arrow, how he picks up and will lift up? And then what do we say? That he will tangle that branch around another healthy branch. But see in a vineyard, Branches just don't grow solo in healthy ways. Even the healthiest branches, they're not a mess, but they're intertwined around each other. What happens is that they are still very much connected to the vine, but each branch then becomes intertwined, and when it's intertwined, it becomes stronger. And so for a branch to be healthy in a vineyard, it has to be intertwined around another healthy branch or branches. Because if not, that solo branch will hit the ground. And once that solo branch hits the ground, then it runs the risk of being covered with dirt, crud, whatever, stomped on, hurt, damaged. Better protection, better strength comes when they're intertwined together. Now when Jesus is talking about them being the branches, they see this. We don't. Our our minds don't illustrate it the same way. But again, Jesus is using what is a perfect and an amazing visual illustration of what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And let's be honest, so sometimes we feel isolated, sometimes we feel alone. And Jesus is trying to tell them if you guys are going to be healthy, if you guys are going to get this thing right, if it's going to happen in your life, if we're going to be successful together as a team, you've got to be connected to the vine. And your lives have to be intertwined with one another. In other words, you were created for community. Our culture doesn't work that way. Sadly, even in this room, um, some of your best friends are named Google, Alexa, and Siri. And we are very guilty of not relating. Uh, how the Gerszowski uh, from the New York Times Magazine wrote an article recently about his online friends and the state of his online friends. He has 700 friends on Facebook alone and by his own description and I quote him he says I'm extremely proud of how many cyber pals connections and acquaintances and even strangers that I've managed to connect with. But like many people he during the pandemic because he worked for New York Times Magazine was able to work at home and so he was able to write articles and he submitted those articles turned him in. Uh, He discovered that there in New York that he could have food delivered. And so he did so daily at every meal. He had groceries delivered. He never had to leave his apartment. He realized that he, he liked it. I mean he liked the isolation. He liked being able to walk around all day in his pajamas. He liked the fact that he could be alone. He began to see that he had become in some ways a hermit. He was smart enough to know, though, that that probably wasn't healthy, and that probably he needed some kind of real interaction with people besides the people that were making deliveries at his door. And so he upped his game. He quit doing contactless delivery, and he would actually answer the knock on the door when they brought the stuff. But that wasn't enough. And so he decided to up his game a little bit more, especially as the pandemic kind of roared to an end. He decided that he was going to throw a party, an in-person party for his Facebook friends. And so he sent out over 700 700 invitations to his Facebook friends to meet him at a local watering hole and just get together, FaceTime, real life, in person. He was going to venture out of the house uh, and go out and mingle in public. uh, And he hadn't done that for years. And so he sent out the 700 invitations. The three options are things that you've probably seen in an email somewhere you were asked to respond attending, not attending, or maybe attending. So some of you have gotten emails like that to invite you to parties and stuff like that. And some of you like me, I read those emails and I never respond back at all um, simply because, well, I, I never know what I'm doing from one minute to the next. So I, I want to be noncommittal. I want to keep my options open, you know. And so, um, so, but he waited to see who was going to come back. When it came back, 15 of the 700 said they would be there they would be attending 15 of the 700 (laughs) said they would show up another 60 said they might be attending now that's 75 out of the 700 friends that he claimed to have he did the math he was realistic he figured about 20 people would show up 20 people show up so on that night he actually took a shower got out of his pajamas got dressed, put on a new shirt that he had bought for the occasion, was going to go out in public, and so he shows up at the appointed time, and he sits there, and he waits, 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 and And eventually a woman came in, but he didn't know who she was. Well, she is a friend of a friend that he had invited, and so she just came by because she heard there was a party and wanted to see what was going on, they talked for about 15 minutes, and then she left. Finally... After three hours, at midnight, he realized that nobody, nobody was going to come. And so the last line of his article is haunting. It says this, so here I am with 700 friends and I'm drinking alone. See, the results were in and the results are terrifying. We have in our world today more connection points available to us than any other time in all of human history and we are the most disconnected isolated society in the history of the world every every study reflects that every bit of information affirms the fact that people feel isolated and alone and to experience The life that Jesus intends on this side of heaven, community, is not optional for you. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, he lays out in John 15 what that looks like. And what that looks like is that it is not optional. You have to connect to the community because you have to intertwine your life with others who are healthy so that you can become who it is that you're created to be. And so when Jesus is laying this out for his disciples, they're hearing this, they're understanding what he's saying. That it, he's talking about their lives being intertwined and how important that is. And then he says in verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends and you're my friends if you do what I command. And he's saying this hours away from him laying down his life. He's getting ready to prove what he is saying and he's letting them know, he's telegraphing what's coming and basically saying to them, this is proof of the love that I have for you and the world is going to know that you love me by the way that you deal with one another, by the way that you love one another, by the way that your lives intertwine and connect with one another. And he calls us to radically love-filled relationships. And here's why. Because I know some people, they're they're loners. They like to be alone. But this is why Jesus calls you to this. Because it's good for you. I mean, I know you're expecting more, but it's good for you. Uh, I'd love for there to be a bigger takeaway, but it's just good for you. It's good for your soul. For your soul to be healthy. You have to be connected to other healthy people in the body of Christ. You have to be willing to connect your life. And you have to be willing to do life together. And the reason is because our souls need it. Someone told me one time, and it's true, if you want to go fast, go alone. (laughs) If you want to go far, go together. Man, that's so true. There are so many times in my life that it's just easier just to do something myself and just get it done and get it out of the way and just get on with the next thing fast let's go boom 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 Go check my box get done be gone let's go but sometimes it just takes time to move the team sometimes it just takes time to kind of move there together you got to slow down a little bit so everybody kind of gets on page and you kind of move at the same rate and and if you want to go further though that's how you do it you go fast you know you go alone you'll get there quicker but you won't go as far And so you have to look at this relationship that Jesus calls you to in view of eternity. You're playing a long game here, in other words. And when you look in view of eternity and you want to go far, then you have to go together. What that means is if you're ever going to be all that God has asked you to be, all that God wants you to be, you've got to remember how the architect and designer of all mankind has created you to relate. And it happens in Genesis when he says it's not good for man to be alone. Throughout the Old Testament, we find time and time again the importance of relationships. And when relationships are good and healthy, God does amazing things and it works. And when relationships get strained or when they're not healthy, bad things happen. And here's Jesus now on the night before he dies talking about the way that they've got to connect their lives in a way that they have to be in community together in order to become what they're supposed to be the truth of the matter is we don't like relationships sometimes because they're messy. Eh, messy. You've got to deal with people. Uh-huh. But messy, messy is where you find the meaningful. And after Jesus talks about this in John 15, there's a Greek word that keeps showing up over and over and over again in the New Testament. It's a Greek word, allelon, which means one another Are each other. In other words we continue to just love one another. We do for one another. We become for one another. We connect to one another. And that becomes in a reoccurring theme. That Jesus puts in motion. And it goes out to the rest of the New Testament. And so. What are the benefits of that? I mean okay. So Jesus said it. Are there really benefits? Of course there are. Why? Because he said it. But because I still have more time. I want to tell you two things. Uh, that we can see it in the first one is simply this this helps us as branches because a single string can become a tangled knot and I don't mean tangled in a bad way verse 12 says this my command is this love each other as I have loved you love each other as I have loved you to love someone you, you got to kind of accept them where they're at right Romans 15 7 talks about that it says accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God you know, full disclosure, Jesus accepts me and, you know, I don't think he got a lot in the bargain sometimes. You're supposed to accept me the same way. And yet, I know that some of you aren't such a bargain. But Jesus accepted you. And according to what the word says, I have to accept you the same way. And that becomes a part of that give and take where together we can become so much better than we can be By ourselves. And it's a good place to be reminded that, you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to have differences. It doesn't mean that in a community, and when you're doing community, that people are going to be just alike. And we want everybody to be alike. Our culture likes that a lot. But we're not going to be alike. Here's how I know. Let me give you a simple illustration right here. Got any coffee drinkers in the room? Let me see your hands. Get them out there. Be proud. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they served coffee at the last supper. Uh (laughs) Now, I'm a Dunkin' Donut guy. K-cups in my house, Dunkin' Donut. I like the taste. It's quick. Usually I get through the line pretty fast. You go often enough, they know your voice, they know what you want, then you don't have to ask, they just give it to you. It's awesome. Let me ask you a question. Be honest, don't be afraid. How many in this room like to go to Starbucks? Hold that cup up high, I see it. Let's see the Starbucks hands. Come on, hold them up. I'll hold them up high. Yeah, you coffee snobs. Let me talk to you a little bit. I want to talk to you a little See, here's the deal. Every once in a while, because I want to connect. I want to connect. I want to culturally connect with the people. Because I'm a man of the people. Uh, I, I want to connect. I, I, I'll go to Starbucks. I'll I admit it. I, I go to Starbucks. I go to Starbucks. I walk inside. I look at the menu. And, you know, here's part of the problem. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I, I know that, you know, I, I know I'm pretty well preserved for my age. But, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. And so, I, to be honest with you, I don't understand the menu at Starbucks. It's not just large, medium, and small. They don't call it that. They give it other words. I, I look across the counter to order coffee. But I see these, these containers with these descriptions of drinks. I don't know what they are. And, and then I look at the price, and I think, oh, my gosh. And so I stand there in Starbucks, and I go to my phone, and I move money from my savings account <laughs> to my checking account and debit card so I can pay for this drink I'm getting ready to order, which I really don't want, but I'm going to order it. And, so then, then, and I ask the person, well, what do you recommend? So I ask the barista or the barista or bro or whoever they are, <laughs> and I ask them, well, what, what, what do you recommend? And they tell me. So, for example, I recommend the Peruvian single origin coffee. Okay. So inevitably the question comes. Why? Why would you recommend that? Here's the real answer. Because you can taste the soil. There's nothing more appealing to me in the morning. Than to taste the Peruvian dirt. (laughs) In my mouth. But I order it. And I order it. I drink it. And then here's the other thing I learned about Starbucks. And it's not at all this way. But man, don't ask for cream and sugar in your coffee to Starbucks. That's like going to a pita convention and saying, Where's the best steakhouse in town? They, they just don't like to do that. They don't like to ruin the coffee that way. And, and I want you to know, I don't get it. I don't get the Peruvian dirt. <laughs> I don't get the vibe of the place when someone says, Let's go get a coffee to Starbucks. I'm like, No, let's go to Dunkin' Donut. Because here's why, and this is what you guys need to know. Um, because a donut, that's Hebrew for manna. And, and, and every morning God would drop donuts <laughs> on the children of Israel. And they would go bad that night, and the next day he would drop more. And so when you go to Dunkin' Donut, it's not just the coffee, it's the fact that there's a donut waiting for you if you really want it. And that's manna from heaven, and so if you want to be closer to God... You eat donuts. There's no calories in donuts, contrary <laughs> to popular belief. Anyway, but here's the deal. We're all drinking coffee. It's just different. And, and although I'm making a value judgment, that's just an opinion. I, 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 it's just my personal preference. And that's okay. And I love you anyway if you're a coffee snob. I got it. I love you. And you have to love me if I'm just a coffee, just a slug. You know, I, and I just am. You know, and that's just okay. I know some people drink coffee three, four days old. They just rewarm it, and just drink it. It's like sludge. They just, they chunk it out of the out of the pot, and they just you know melt it down and redrink it. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? That's how I like coffee. Again, I don't get it. I don't have to do it. We're different, and it's not just coffee. We're different in so many areas of our life. We like different things. We, we, we go to different places. We're, we're different people and people are going to be different. They have different hopes. They have different dreams. They, they, they like different candidates. They have different desires. They have different backgrounds. They have different temptations. And our culture, our culture though, is now the king of telling us that if someone doesn't think like you, you have to be their enemy. And if they're not like you and they don't fall in line with what you think, then they are at odds with you. But see, when you read this passage of Scripture, being a branch, if you're a branch, a follower of Jesus, it changes all that. You don't get that luxury of isolating and canceling people who don't believe like you, don't think like you. You've got to make sure that you are doing your best to connect and you can accept someone without endorsing what they believe. And we've seemed to lost the art of that. We've let other people hijack the meaning of words. I, t- I tolerate and I accept a lot of things. I don't necessarily celebrate those things. I don't believe those things. But I can accept you. And you've got to deal with that. Because if we're ever going to ch- change the culture around us, we've got to be willing to accept. We've got to be willing to tolerate without compromising truth. See, you never have to back off of truth. Truth is truth. See, people who want you to tolerate them and usually scream about that, they want you to also change truth. You don't have to do that. This is for you. If you're connected to the mind, you understand the, you understand the role that you have you can be accepting and you can be encouraging best you possibly can but you're not going to have to compromise truth because you know why truth won't be compromised and you can't rewrite truth and we live in a world that would love to rewrite truth as well so not only do you have to accept something you don't believe then you can't even believe you can't have your own truth anymore you can't have real truth anymore you have to have your own truth your personal truth and things get wonky when that happens and so you need me and I need you because together we're going to be stronger and we're going to understand how to speak back with truth into a world that needs to hear truth. And here's the other thing I know. See churches um, I say this. Let me suggest something. See there are some weird people that go to church. Been at church a long time. Church will attract its share of weirdos. Now I don't know the percentage, I don't know the percentage, I I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's, I, I don't, I mean, but it doesn't matter, large church, small church, it doesn't matter, church draws its percentage of weirdos, and it only takes a few weirdos to feel like a lot. Now, as I'm saying this this morning, if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what, I don't think there are any weird people in church that I know. I don't know how to say this (laughs) but if you're sitting there thinking well there's no weird people around here I'm probably talking about you (laughs) yeah you're the weirdo but here's the deal we'll accept you why because weird is entertaining (laughs) I mean weird is fun to watch if we're for the weird stuff I'd be bored out of my mind I mean, if you don't do the weirdness that I expect you to do and I don't do the weirdness you expect me to do, we would really be a boring lot. Now, wouldn't we? See, there's nothing wrong with the weirdness. As long as we make sure that we are connected and growing like we need to. God makes us a family. I mean, think about your families. Think about your extended families. I don't care who you are. Everybody's got a weirdo out there somewhere. And you deal with them. You love them. You accept them. Weirdness and all. Why? Because that's what families do. Some families, the whole tree is weird. And it, uh, enough, enough said. Anyway, God, God um, makes us family, and so we accept each other. And that's what happens when we start entangling our lives. You need me, and I need you, and we can't get away from that. And that's okay. Why would we want to get away from it? We're better together. The second thing I want you to see is this. We also get tangled up and we tango on. Verse 16, you didn't choose me, uh, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, that you love each other. We see when you start loving people, it does. It gets messy, doesn't it? I mean, we start bearing one another's burdens when it gets messy. Uh, The verse in Galatians 6, 2 says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this you'll fulfill the law of Christ. There's a strength, there's a fruitfulness that happens in our lives when we start bearing the burdens of others. When we realize that we're not strong enough to make it on our own, I need your help, you need my help. There's some just times that we just can't make it on our own, and we need the support of one another to get through whatever it is. And we need that in varying degrees at different times, different seasons of our life. In the verse that I read out of Galatians, the word burdens, means excessive weight. We're not talking pounds here. We're talking about the the, the cumbersomeness of of the stuff that we're trying to balance and carry sometimes. You ever feel like sometimes you're carrying so much you get out of balance? You feel like you're off kilter just a little bit? And you feel like nobody notices or, or nobody really appreciates the fact that you're carrying so much on your shoulders and and, and you're trying your best to give it to God, but, it, you know, sometimes God doesn't always talk back to you. You know how valuable it is when someone comes along and recognizes what's going on and will encourage you and help you and try to uh, take a little bit of that load off of you? you mean, it means the world, even if they can't help. You know, how many times have you just been dealing with something that's just been so big and all of a sudden someone just does something and they encourage you and they say, can I help? And the answer is no, you can't really help. But the reality is they just did. And they did because they asked. They did because they took the time to care. They did because they encouraged you enough to recognize the fact that I see you and I see what you're going through and I see there's something going on. Can I help you with that at all? Can I pray for you? Is there something I can do for you? How can I help you bear that burden? That's huge. See, and when you're tangled up in healthy ways, people see that. They don't mind helping you. Because as those vines get tangled, although each vine has its own weight and has its own mass to it, when they're connected to the vine, even though they're connected together, the weight doesn't drag them down. The connection makes them stronger. The connection makes them more. The connection makes them bigger than they are. Spiritual depth, maturity, and courage come when you start doing life in community. It's easy to stay isolated. It's easy to stay away. Why? Because, man, what did I just say earlier? Church full of weirdos, right? I mean, (sighs) welcome to the club of the tragically flawed and tragically broken. This is the weekly meetings of Sinners Anonymous. I was checking the cameras when you guys came in this morning. Not one perfect person came in. Not one. Now somebody—I'm not going to say who was—they thought they were perfect when they got here, but then they proved that they weren't after they got in the doors. They were carrying a Starbucks cup, and 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 no, 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 and 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 so they. But as we as we kind of move through life together, as we try to do this thing and, and get life right, it, it becomes so important, so essential that we we understand the concept that you're not yourself when you're by yourself. You'll never be yourself when you're by yourself. You can never be yourself by yourself. And the reason is as simple and as complicated as you can imagine. It's because that's not how God created you. And anytime we push back on how God created us, We get into trouble. And you know, and that's interesting because we live in a culture that's screaming I want you to see me and I want you to let me be who I claim to be. This is what I want to be. See me. This is who I am. However, how many times does that fly in the face of what God created them to be? And they desperately want to be themselves, but they can't be themselves because they're trying to be something that they're not and they're they're trying to be something that they can't ever be. And so they disconnect from God and they say, I don't want that. And they they push back against being around the people of God because there's truth that's out there and truth always gets in the way of whatever fantasy you are wanting to live. (laughs) And you can't be yourself by yourself. And it's only when you realize that do you start becoming the healthy person that you were created to be and put yourself in a position to live the abundant life that God has in store for you. Scott Lingard lives in Minnesota. He was driving home. As he was driving home, a puppy ran out into the road and he swerved to miss the puppy. Wrecked his car. The inventory of the injuries he sustained are this. Broken collarbone. Broken shoulder blade. Seven ribs broken. Two broken vertebrae. A collapsed lung and a concussion. A couple surgeries later, months of recovery looming. Scott was released from the hospital back to his home in Frost, Minnesota where he lives. He's a single gentleman. He runs a farm there, 600 acres. 600 acres of soybean and corn. Harvesting those crops is his income for the year. single farmer. No farm hands. It's a one man operation. He not doing any farming. Can't do any farming. Frost, Minnesota. This is a town. Where 198 people live. Population 198. Booming town. Once got, got home. And it came time for harvest time. 100. 198, showed up on his front doors. And they brought their own equipment. Brought every tool they needed. Told them not to worry about a thing. They would take care of it. And took and harvested all 600 acres of his farm. Because that's what community does when you're connected to community. See, Christ distributes courage through community. I know you guys got questions about faith. I have them too. And sometimes when those big questions come, we let them drive us into a cave somewhere. But I got news for you: the answers don't come in a cave. Caves turn you into hermits. They isolate you. It's only when you start connecting your life to some healthy folks that can help encourage you and you can start winding your life around them that you begin to discover that you're getting stronger too and you're connected to Jesus and you're connected and you're growing there's something about that where the spirit gets pumping in your life and the next thing you know, those questions start falling into place and the answers that come are enough to keep you going and keep you moving forward. Those answers that you get give you the courage to face each day and face tomorrow. For each one of us, we have to understand that of all the things we've talked about, when we get to the end of this series, when we talk about being stuck, we're stuck to God. We've talked about how He prunes and how He lifts up and how He cares for us, but the last piece is just as essential as everything else. You've got to entwine your life around the people of God. A lot of times, we feel like we get caught and we're isolated. and um, Sometimes we feel like we're all alone and, and then nobody cares. And so two things have to happen. One, you have to make an effort. <laughs> You've got to make an effort to connect and entwine your life around others. But the second thing has to happen is you, you, you have to be willing to let people entwine their life around you because that's the give and take of this. Because at any point, somebody sitting next to you may be healthier than, they, than you are right now. And yet the healthier you get, There'll be a moment when maybe they're not. Or maybe someone else that connects with you is not healthy at the moment, and they just need the strength that they need, the support that you give them. As they kind of grow out on that on that branch and, and grow off that vine, and together then we become something amazing and beautiful that God has called us to be. Because when the body of Christ connects, it's like a jigsaw puzzle that starts fitting together, and each one of us have a piece. But when that piece is put with the next piece, all of a sudden a picture begins to emerge. And the impossible begins to happen and become a ra- reality. That's what happens when you get stuck. In spite of our differences, in spite of the weirdness, in spite of the craziness, we really do need each other. And I take such great courage for the future of the church, this church, but any church, because I look back at those first century disciples and what a bunch of misfits. They couldn't get it right some days. When push came to shove, they did. God worked in them and did amazing things. God wants to work in you and do amazing things. He wants to use you to touch and change the world around you. He wants to use you to make an impact in the world around you. And the question is, are you willing to do it? Let's pray together. God, we are... So mindful of the fact that uh, we are different in so many ways. There are so many things that we want to know, so many things we want to figure out, so many things we might want to become. And yet at the end of the day, the call that you've placed on our life is to remain in you. To connect to you, to abide in you, and you have promised to care for us and use that connection to produce fruit. You've promised to prune and care for us, you've promised to lift us up, and you've promised To allow us to become together so much more than we could be when we're apart. And we all need that. Our world needs that. And our world needs to be be able to look at people who are getting it right. And setting an example. And discovering that there is a sanity in doing it your way. In the midst of a crazy world. Lord, there are some who've never made the decision to believe and trust and follow Jesus. And if they haven't, I pray that before they leave this place this day, they would give us a note and our giving kiosk and just simply say, I, I want to accept Jesus as Savior. Let us come alongside them and help them to know how that needs to happen. If they're watching online, there's an email address. that's going to pop up on the screen. That email address is one where they can reach out and they can just send to us whatever's on their mind, whatever's on their heart, whatever questions they have, but most importantly, letting us know that they want to make the decision to follow Jesus as well. And no matter where they live, we will do our best to give them the resources they need to encourage them, but also help them find a place to connect in the place that they are so they can grow in healthy ways. But Lord for us here in this room. We too. We, we just want to get it right. We want to be healthy. So help us to understand that the health that you have for us. Comes in the way. That we draw our lives from you. But the same token. The way that we intertwine our lives together. The community. The body of Christ. So different. Yet so. One. When we have the same heartbeat as you. That's our prayer. Our hope for this morning. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.